Welcome to Writer Syndrome, a podcast about writing from start to finish. This episode's topic, finding comps and originality. Uh, I'm Russ Capasso and joining me is always Tim Letney. Tim, how original are you feeling today? I'm feeling slightly derivative today, derivative. I think. <laughs> yeah. Just a little bit? <laughs> Just a little bit. Uh, I wake up every morning feeling a little derivative. <laughs> a little derivative. <laughs> right? Yeah. I think this is going to be a fun chat. I think finding comps um, is an interesting part of the process. I've had a very hard time doing this. We'll get into like, so I mean, like, let's wrap the top. Like, what are comps, right? Yeah, we should define it. Yeah. So it's short for comparable titles, right? So books that might be considered compar- comparable to your own. Um, they're used in like a lot of different ways, like a lot of different ways. So, I mean, one of the obvious ones, especially if you're querying, which Tim's going to be doing, using as, wood. kind of as a, as a quick uh, reference for agents or publishing sales folks to uh, understand like what, where your book fits, right? It's even good for like bookstores to understand where it should lie on the shelf and also gives you a good idea, like who the reader is going to be, your demographic, right? So it's kind of like a quick, like someone could look at this and be like, oh, okay. It's, it's uh, the Martian meets a uh, uh, ready player one. Cool. It's going to be sci-fi, a lot of research, maybe detail, whatever. So you get a sense of what the book's going to be like. Yeah, the idea being right, that like you are writing for an existing audience that's already purchased something similar. Yes. Right. Yeah. If yep. you, yeah. If you're interested in selling. Yeah, pretty much. Right. And you'll, and uh, you know, listeners, you'll probably have seen these like, and they're used everywhere. Marketing materials, you'll see them in ads, back cover blurbs, definitely. Take a book off your bookshelf and take a look at the back or inside cover flap. Sometimes you'll see like, hey, if you liked X, you'll like Y, or um, there's a bunch of other variations of it, you know? Uh, it's it's this meets that. You plug in the other podcast? <laughs> like, yeah, you see how I work that in there? I plug the other podcast just like that. Um, but yeah, you'll see it on like Amazon listings, um, Goodreads, stuff like this. And uh, like I said before, it's used for querying. So it's um, tough, right? Because like in my head, it feels very reductive. Yeah. Because you want to believe that your work is some special, magnificent thing. <laughs> yeah. But you really want to get across that it's not. <laughs> that it's a lot like this other flavor of ice cream that you'll enjoy. Right, right. Yeah, this has been the hardest thing for me to do. And I, I, I still don't think I have good comps yet. Uh, I'm still pulling like lists together, mostly for like the marketing blurbs when I when I go to publish on Amazon and uh, the other distributors or even on Goodreads and stuff like that. Less concerned about using it for a query. Yeah, right now, I originally I had just used movies to kind mm-hmm. of compare. I was like, my book is basically like an updated version of war games, hacking world surveillance, you know, not nuclear weapons, but you know, the potential of, you know, the world attacking itself. Um, and I was like, yeah, this is basically that updated. How far along in the process were you, Russ, when you started looking into comps? Is this something that you oriented yourself before you started writing or something that you did kind of during or after the fact? When I first got it started on the process of just um, putting it like the treatment and kind of outlining like the major beats of the book. I started kind of getting a shape of like, at that point, I kind of, I wanted to understand or I wanted to know what was the vibe and feeling I wanted the book to have. Mm. So immediately I was like, of course, we've talked about this before. We was, I think you and I both go to movies first, but I was like, yeah, okay, war games. I want that kind of 80s vibe, but I want it to be like a story told now, plot, you know, more reflective of current times. But I want it to be like that two or three friends coming together and, you know, solving a problem type of vibe, you know, uh, mm-hmm. kids on bikes type of, type of scenario from the 80s, you know, and then. I, I use that in like a lot of like the 70s Gene Hackman, Robert Redford, like, you know, spy surveillance thrillers because I love those movies, um, like The Conversation or Sneakers. And I wanted to, I was like, okay, that kind of sets the tone. And then when I started like getting into actual book comps, you know, the first thing that came to my mind was the first two actually were the, was The Martian and Ready Player One. Hmm. And Ready Player, I mean, my book is not nearly, it really isn't like either one of those, but in terms of, I think, author 
and character voices, which is something you can use for your comps. But like in terms of author voice, narrative voice and character voice, like those two books really kind of captured like the fun I wanted to have, like the dialogue and Ready Player Mm -hmm. One, just the flow of that book is just so much fun. So I was using that kind of originally. It's just as like, it was more for me to set the tone and how I was going to write you know, the story. So, yep. but yeah, what, what about you? Did you have it right off the bat or later on or? You know, it's similar, right? I feel like um, I was curious where I was going to fall on a bookshelf. So I'd start, I'd probably through most of my first draft before I started kind of asking myself, Hey, is this marketable? <laughs> like, does this fit anywhere? Yeah. So then I started kind of like looking like, you know, the top 50, you know, horror sci-fi novels of the past 10 years, stuff like that. And I came across comps that actually made me feel a little uneasy because I was like, Mm. oh no, is like mine too similar to this? Like there's this cat, um, his name's Paul Tremblay. He's a Massachusetts guy. He likes bad religion, which I am a big fan of. (laughs) He wrote a book called Survivor Song, which is about like uh, kind of like a rabies, like wreck or like zombie apocalypse thing that takes place in mass in in the Boston area. I didn't know that existed until I was just about done with my book. And I was yeah. like, oh my God, like, is is my brand already out <laughs> there? <laughs> it already exists. Oh no. And like the books are very different. Um, right. but I felt like a little bit of like, I don't know, what's the word? Like doppelganger ness. Yeah. I was like, oh no, like this flavor is out there already. And once again, like you come across these comps, which are really good to measure yourself against, but they also can sometimes make you feel uncertain. Or maybe you want to stop working on what you're working on and is it is it good enough or does it already exist and and what value can you add to that genre or to that subgenre and i i hit that question multiple times when i was coming across a comps yeah because i kept coming across not entire books but slices of books that i was like i do this i do that yeah It, it was this weird pastiche of like during the research phase i felt like derivative yeah accidentally yeah um and it makes sense you know they're all around the same age as i am i have horror movie influences sometimes it's similar zip codes and musical tastes and stuff so it was a little bit of like a an inflection point for me yeah and um i mean obviously i rallied and i was like okay just make sure that you're setting yourself apart and that your voice is as different as you think it is i mean honestly it sounds like to me you just found a new best friend maybe you should reach out and hang out <laughs> No, nah, I mean, I always feel like so I never want to go to somebody. Uh, <laughs> I don't want a fanboy to anybody. You know, I don't want to ask anybody of anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's a, a bad trait to have, but now. Yeah. You don't get anything if you don't ask, right? Is that how it works? Yeah. So it sounds like you're using it more for like marketplace fit. Did you use any for in movies too or TV shows, but did you use any to kind of like you wanted to mimic a tone from or did you already know that in your head? It's weird. I feel like I'm a combo, right? I have got my own voice and I've had it for a while, but it's really derivative of the stuff that I read in like my early 20s, like Survivor or Fight Club or, you know, so it was very this like mixture of like Palnock and, you know, maybe yeah. Brett Easton Ellis and with like a tinge of like Clive Barker simplicity or even Stephen King. So then when I was like thinking about, okay, how, because, you know, through this whole podcast, we're like, how do you do this? Where do you put the dialogue tags? You know, like how often do you use them? Do you use them at all? I kept referring to Stephen King Mm -hmm. and coming back to, because where I naturally fit, I think is close to that, that kind of, you know, third person omniscient. So when I had a question about where's my POV at this moment, and I started to get cold feet, 
I'd yeah. go to like an old King book and open it up and just kind of randomly be like, okay, like where is he? Where's the POV? And it's kind of where I landed on that narrator mimicking the the tone or the viewpoint of the main. Yeah. As opposed to it being you know very limited third, which I think is very popular now, which is Paul Tremblay writes in, or actually quite a lot in like uh, Grady Hendrix as well, like in first person. Yep. And I just, you know, we talked about it before. I just, I don't have interest in, in first person or, or even really limited third. Yeah. For me, it was most, mostly King, but I think I naturally fall there anyway, just based on my, my influences of what I've read, which is honestly like coming from like what I read up until this point was like literary fiction. Mm -hmm. I never dove as deep into genre fiction, at least horror fiction, right? I mean, I think I dabbled in sci-fi a little bit, but through like my academic quote unquote career, it was always just literary fiction. That's what I wrote my papers on, whether it was yeah. like Virginia Woolf or whatever else. So, but yeah, then I realized, right, like I needed to find out where I was going to fall with this book. So do you, so you, at this point now, do you have like a, a couple that you're like solid that you, you're going to use as part of your query process? Yeah, I feel like. Which I don't, I should throw out there too. So, I mean, I think it varies, but I think most ages and publishing folks, they do look for these as part of like their submission process, maybe, or it's good just to include it. So it gives them an idea. It's kind of like the quick elevator pitch. Um, yeah. But I think it varies, but um, yeah. Do you have a couple you, you're ready to throw out there? Yeah. I feel like it's probably Paul Tremblay and Grady Hendrix. So probably Survivor Song. And interestingly enough, like one thing, it's weird, right? Because I'm writing a period piece, which is immediately like less marketable because people, especially younger people, don't necessarily want to read about a time before them. Yeah. But there's Stranger Things, right? And there's yeah. that whole Stranger Things ecosystem. So I think it would be a disservice not to include that a little bit in the pitch, Yeah, uh, even though that was not the impetus to do this. But it shows that there's a market for kind of nostalgia driven content. Uh, I had pulled up a couple articles just kind of researching beforehand, talking about um, like the things that you should look for when you're when you're putting comps together. Right. And already my comps are already blown out the water because they're all too old. Um, mm. But they're like, hey, yeah, you can definitely use something old like it should be within like three to four years, whatever the material is should be within like three to four years old. Mm -hmm. uh, you can go older, but if you do pair it up with something more contemporary, right? So I could probably do something like it's war games meets uh, something now <laughs> um, or within the last three, four years, you know? Another thing I thought was pretty interesting and, and a lot of research I came across, they were like, yeah, it's okay to use film and TV mm -hmm. uh, and definitely authors. So you don't have to name just like a specific book. So you could be like, oh, it's, I could say it's like um, war games uh, with like a tone of Ernest Klein, you know, who wrote Ready, Ready mm -hmm. Player One, right? Like, oh, that might be a good, that might be a good comp. Might be pushing a little too into like the 80s vibe, which I mean, is, I don't want to get that across. Right. Also using different books, and I kind of touched on this just a little bit earlier, but using books um, that aren't just plot focused or genre focused, um, hmm. which I think is kind of interesting. You could use it for narrative voice, you know, like saying Ernest Klein, an author, right? Even aspect of craft, which I thought was kind of interesting. And I kept, this kept popping up. Obviously themes and atmosphere can all be used. So they don't have to necessarily be like pairing two for you, two horror books or me being like, yeah, it's uh, these two thrillers, uh, you know, you know, titles. Um, so you can get a little bit creative with it, but I think having at least one book and then maybe pairing it with something else can, can work. So what about um, nonfiction? I don't know. I mean, I, I only bring it up because I'll say that like for research, I leaned on this kind of punk retrospective called Please Kill Me. 
Yeah. I don't think it sold particularly well. So <laughs> maybe it's not. The not. only thing I could think of by doing that was like you might throw people off and think it's like, oh, more of a uh, researchy base, maybe. I don't right. know. Right. I was thinking yeah. for years it'd be kind of fun to pair it up with like some type of music from the time period. Like it meets like the the punk scene of such and such. You know what I mean? That's funny you say that because, you know, I, I put together, um, since I had like music features really prominently in mine, um, yeah. like music from like, you know, the mid to late seventies. And I put together, you know, a mix that I would yeah. listen to yep. um, while writing, especially during scenes so that I. had music playing. <laughs> yeah. It's probably the, the, the most fun part of doing this whole thing was putting it in a playlist, but yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, man, like never in a million years would I think that I'd sit down and listen to a punk mix and then Donna Summer would come on and I would be jamming <laughs> to it. Like just like vibing. <laughs> And it actually gave me an appreciation for disco I never had before. Because <laughs> in the 90s, it was really cool to kind of, actually always it's been cool to kind of poo-poo disco, but. Yeah. I know exactly so what well. scene that, po- that scene, I know exactly what scene in your book that song popped up for it too. I can picture it. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. great. Yeah. One of the other things I, I kept coming across uh, was uh, what you don't want to do is use any major super popular titles. So like me using the Martian or probably even Ready Player One, like the phenomenons, like Hunger Games, Harry Potters, I kind of stay away from those. It makes me feel like Stranger Things would be an issue with that too, because there's probably yeah. a million queries that are like, it's kids it's, on bikes yeah, in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. And this exactly. isn't, this is kids on heroin in the city. <laughs> yes, completely <laughs> But it does have that kind of Goonies-esque, you know, kids solving a problem. Yeah aspect what was your process for like searching for comps did you like how much time did you spend towards and did you just kind of have you just knew off the top of your head or you just like are you reading a couple books that happened to like fall in the genre that was it really it was googling yeah. i mean this is pre gpt4 so i didn't query ai like we talked about last week yeah i just googled and went through top lists and then checked to see what was in the library grabbed those yeah and, and then i ordered some on amazon like i ordered uh nick cutter's the troop you know i think yep. we talked about that in one of our first episodes yep. and um i think i fall pretty nicely in there as well like i think that's a decent contemporary yeah novel that i'm like if it's not being adapted yet i'm sure it will be adapted soon right so i feel like that's one of those sleepers that will be nice to mention that isn't too popular yeah. yet yeah i i uh I, I had tried a bunch of different things. I don't think I've spent enough focused time on it, looking at my own bookshelf, but nothing was really there. Uh, and the ones that were there were too old. It's like, you know, it's a thriller, espionage stuff. So it's like, again, like the Tom Clancy's or mm-hmm. techno thrillers, even like the Daniel Suarez books, which are good, a little more science fiction-y. Like that's a little too, too much. So I think I need to sit down and really do some do some research. But uh, I think uh, talking to librarians is kind of a good one. Uh, it keeps popping up. Uh, they might have might be able to help point. Wait, you can talk but... to librarians? Yeah, I know. Isn't that crazy? What? I know. Do, wait, do they even exist or is AI taking them over? Huh? Every time I try to talk to them, they're just like, shh. <laughs> <laughs> it's because you come in like this. Hi, hey, I need some comps, lady. <laughs> hey, book person. Master hey, of books. Ladies, I need some comps. Uh, doing a Amazon actually helps too because you can, like you said, you can kind of look, search for like the top ten lists and stuff like that. Um, especially with other categories, like breaking it down. Like I think of all the categories I'm going to list my book on on Amazon. I kind of help give me a sense of like who's in here and who are the top ones. Um, some of the ways you can find find comps. There's also some tools which I'm going to play around with, uh, but I'll link uh, with the post. Uh, but I haven't tried yet. It's like this thing called book browse, literature map, and story graph where you can kind of punch in an author and it kind of connects to like different books or 
related to them. So it's like, oh, that's neat. Yeah, it's more of a tool for like you finding new books to read, but it's great for authors to find. Is that an AI tool, Russ? I don't think it is actually. One of them might be. The story graph might be. I don't know. I didn't really look into it. Slippery slope, man. And well, and as I mentioned, you can use ChatGPT, but make sure you do your research on it. Oh, yeah, right. You were saying that you you typed it in, right? And it came up with a completely fictional author? I'm, I'm, I am more than positive the author and the book do not exist. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you've written a book, like I should be able to find it somewhere and I couldn't find it anywhere or the person that had written, not even a Facebook page. I'm like, I think this person is fake. So be careful if you use ChatGPT. So Russ, when you were doing your research, right, did you come across things that almost derailed you? That like kind of gave you a minute to... Did you rethink what you were writing at all based on the landscape? No, because I don't think I'm original. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> once you come to grips with it that you're not, and maybe you're just your voices, then you're okay. There was uh, one book. Uh, I'm 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 losing the uh, the title of it uh, right now. Like a lot of the beats and kind of the plot was was pretty similar. Uh, and that one got me. I was like, oh. Uh, Oh man. Okay. <laughs> but then once I get to the end of it, after like reading, you know, I, I think it started out kind of very similar, at least to some of the characters and uh, yeah, some of like the plot moments, the beats were similar and that got me a little mm. nervous. Um, and once I got to the end of it, I was like, no, this isn't, this is, this is same, but different, which yeah. I'm okay with. Um, also just the, like the tone and of the, the voice were different. Obviously I think the author I had, I had read, um, it was a little more refined. I had written, you know, a handful of books where mine was a little, still a little, you know, I'm still a little new to the process, but like the dialogue in that book was stale. And I think mine's mm. kind of fun. <laughs> Whatever, yeah. pat myself on the back. I don't know, it's, it's different, I should say. And there's a lot of other thrillers that I've read that are similar in terms of tone. But again, a, a lot of it is just kind of characters moving through a plot and the characters are all pretty you know, generic, not to say that mine are some special, something special. I mean, I think they are, but again, I could already feel like the tone I had, like I have that like sneakers, war games, kind of a little bit of, you know, uh, injected yeah. life into it, which I think kind of changed the tone a bit. So it's not so like the classic stale thrillers, you know, with a silhouette yeah. guy in the front cover. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I feel similarly with mine, right? Like if anything's original, it's the characters. Yes. I mean, otherwise it's kind of a mashup of of like horror and creature feature. Yeah, you know, I text you every time that I come across a comp that is similar to mine and it drives me batty, all, all caps or something. <laughs> yeah, like walk you off the ledge and like, it's okay, just keep working, just keep working. <laughs> like just recently I was um, not reading, I was like listening to a book by Christopher Golden called All Hollows. Hmm. Like the pitch, the plot of it's completely different than mine, yet it's a period piece. You know, it's kind of late high school teens, one yeah. of the main characters is very similar to one of my main characters to the point of where we have the same reference of Susie Sue yeah. uh, with makeup. And I was like, oh, my God, like this is almost my character. Now, once again, I feel like I like my character a lot more. I feel like it's a little more relatable. And still, I had to text you and have you walk me off the ledge because I was like, oh, shit. Like, I think that's a uh, well, you know, I think that's a good point, too. Like if you're if once you get to this step of the process, I think it's good if you the stuff that you know off the top of your head you want to use for just tone, atmosphere, voice, like we said before. Great. So there's in a list of like that kind of helps keep you. Uh, uh, focused in terms of your when you're writing your first you know draft and second draft, but once you actually get down to like searching for those comps, like 
if you do find something you come across that is, you know, it's okay, <laughs> you know, uh, unless yep. you literally wrote, you know, Hunger Games, you know, again, like, <laughs> you know, or Harry Potter. Um, okay, then you have a problem. But uh, for the most I part, I feel like in retrospect, I would have advised myself to research comps and then stop reading in genre because I don't think it's been helpful for me. I've been doing yeah. it maybe for enjoyment, but it's kind of like, I'm getting these kind of punches to the chest because I keep coming across similar things that I don't know if it's beneficial. I feel like I should have done it, done the yeah. process, gotten the comps, made a list, and then noped out of the genre and moved into something completely else, like sci-fi or whatever, yep. lit fic yeah. or something. And I, I kind of did that. I don't think I read. I was reading mostly fantasy and sci-fi while I was writing this. So I just like stepped out of the genre because I didn't, didn't want to read stuff that was in my own. So I would have started copying those things, which... yeah. Uh, yeah, I know, you know, people are the expectations, blah, blah, blah. Go listen to our genre expectations episode. But, you know, I didn't want to just all of a sudden find myself like stealing something or, you know, subconsciously taking something that's just like, oh, this is a trope in all these thrillers. But maybe pulling something from a fantasy or a sci-fi might kind of interject something a little bit different to it. So mm -hmm. and it wasn't towards the end when I was actually trying to find actual comps. Uh, I was started reading more thrillers and more uh, espionage stuff. So now I'm like, yeah, it's too late. The book's written. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <that's nice. laughs> so, I don't care if I find something similar to like, eh, oh well. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. That was that's. I think we covered quite a bit there. All the the, the highlights. Uh, I'll include some links in the post uh, for some research we I had come across that highlights some stuff and get into some more detail. But Tim, what are you uh, what are you reading, watching lately? So reading, I just started um, Perfume, Story okay. of a Murderer by Susskind, and um, you know I think they adapted it into a movie sometime in the early aughts. I'm not sure. And I completely dismissed it. And mm. uh, I was like watching a bit of YouTube and I saw like an interview with like Cobain um, from the early 90s. And he was just saying that he was reading this book over and over again, bring it, brought it with him on tour. And I was like, that's interesting. Like, I'm kind of curious. It turns out um, Scentless Apprentice on In Utero mm. is based on this book. It's a really interesting book. Yeah. It's really crazy, especially when you think about uh, my wife and I were just talking about this, getting across you know, your senses during reading mm. and like the way they tackle scent and smell in this mm. is really interesting and, and really kind of inspiring because mm. it takes place in like the late 1800s in France. And um, this has been a really interesting read so far. So thumbs up. I'm not done yet, but so far it's great. Um, and then what we just watch? We watch Bones and All. Bones and All, huh? Which is, um, it's funny, talk about comps, dude. Luckily, this is eons ago, but this is a cannibalistic <laughs> love story. That uh, I mean, is there any other kind of cannibalistic story? <laughs> well, it's funny. So this is written by an author um, from the Massachusetts area. Yeah. I think she lives in Somerville now. Huh. And um, I think she had a foray into sci-fi and then she wrote this book and it got some traction. My first like purge novel my first after college attempt at writing was a cannibalistic love story right <laughs> now nowhere near as good um but still it was like goes to same show concept. that like yeah. same concept similar I, we were probably in similar zip codes during the time of writing really really like interesting that yeah. you know similar concepts can happen at the same time her execution phenomenal mine completely incomplete <laughs> um but as I was watching the movie, which is quite good, I still had that pang that like, oh, I had this idea. Yeah. You know, even though execution wise, I, I was not capable in my 20s of seeing it through, of bringing it through the beats, of refining it, of getting it to a publishing state. It's just interesting to see, you know, similar ideas yeah. succeed. It happens a lot 
a lot like a lot of like my my ideas I've come across is on like streaming platforms. Um, so in a way, it's given me continued confidence that one of these I'll land. Yeah, you know, like c- conceptually, I'm there, and now I think through this process and through chatting with you, craft wise, I'm yeah. getting there. Yeah. So um, in a way, it was kind of inspiring. And thumbs up on that movie. It was it was good. Trent and Atticus Ross did the soundtrack, which is Very pretty nice. cool. It's got Timothée Chalamet. Chalamet. Timothée Chalamet. Yeah, I mean, let's say that comes back to our ideas episode too, right? You know, if you've got an idea, just stick with it. Unless, again, you're writing Hunger Games, then don't stick with it. How about you? What do you read and watch? Let's see. So reading, I am just starting this book called The Warrior's Apprentice. Uh, it's by, I, I had read uh, another book uh, by this author, Lois McMaster Bajold. Uh, the last one was a high fantasy uh, novel, the, the Curse of Chalion. Um, this is kind of like the second book someone had suggested. She's like, if you like the first one, and read this one because it's more sci-fi. But this is written back in like the 80s. So she's like, I'm curious to see what you think of sci-fi written in the 80s uh, and, and the characters and whatnot. It's, um, so far, it's good. It, it's the author, she's great. I just uh, the flow of words in the in the scenes is just kind of really nice. Um, so, what's the POV? Uh, just third third person. Is it omniscient? Uh, no. Is it limited? Yeah, because she's no. She yeah, she it's limited to it's limited to basically one character. I mean, she's jumped to other characters, uh, but like you know within a scene break. But mm. no, and it's like it's deep into like you know she'll have even like the italicized thoughts of that character and what they're you know in those moments. So, but it's good. I'm enjoying it so far. It's like like one of seven books in a series though. So I don't know. I'll see if I stick with it, but uh, enjoying that so far. As for watching, I finally got back into watching some TV here. Uh, I just finished Marvelous Miss Maisel season five, the series finale. I very much enjoyed that series. Did you have like a nice cozy chamomile while you watch that? I did actually. I sat on my couch, uh, <laughs> had my slippers on, uh, you know, Aww. yeah, I was all snuggled in. And my a blanket. cat laying on your lap. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> with some tea and yeah i don't know i enjoyed that show it's you know it's funny to watch finish that's that's you know it's season five and then i just finished succession season four their series finales right and both these last seasons you can tell like they had an idea where they wanted things to go uh but you could tell there's like a lot of filler episodes and Mm -hmm. it's like i think you get to a point where you have seasons that are like eight to ten episodes that are hour long it just feels like some of the jokes get drawn on a little too long and like there's one last night i was like all right let's let's move on let's move on from this like i don't know why you're feeling this time like this like this is just more anxiety of people not being able to do something and it's a little frustrating to to watch so people are creating new shows just know that you can chop up the time although i know yeah i feel like it's interesting when you think about like long form television where they must have the seasonal beats mm-hmm episodic beats and they probably do have right like episodes episodes like three through six we don't need to push the seasonal plot forward let's tell self-contained stories and that's probably where like yeah it gets at least that's where it loses me where it gets like a little flabby unless it becomes really character based and you know i I think that's one of the ways that mad men excelled Mm -hmm. um that if it wasn't always pushing this overarching plot forward at least the character journeys in those middle episodes were still kind of riveting yeah, I I will I will say that like they were within each episode. There's always a I thought a really creative and fun thing. So they do a lot of flash forwarding in in this one uh, to various time points to Is kind this of show. Miss Maisel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they jump all over the place time-wise and kind of show you the, where everyone is and the relationships at that time, and which I enjoyed that. Uh, but then there was just some moments where like this joke of this back and forth of the what, what do you do? And it's like 
it's very fast, you know, a very 1950s kind of humor, but um, like it speaks volumes that you made it th- through season five of the show, right? Oh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was great. When there's so much like really just filler content that's completely tepid for you to go through an entire series. Yeah. Maybe, I, maybe I, I'll check it out. I thought it was I thought it was great. I mean, it probably only needed four seasons, but I mean, you know, if there was four seasons, you'd just say that it could have been three. That's true. Just <laughs> <laughs> wrap this up, you know, could have been uh, one episode. But I was I was happy with the with the finale too, and the way they got there and kind of just finalized things. So uh, and they did nice. a good job. Like the first episode, it was just like they had like two or three characters that were kind of like secondary, and they just got rid of them pretty quickly, and it all made sense. And I was like, okay, that's how you handle that. I see where this is going, and winding down and focusing on just like the core characters where they are by the end. So that's been it. I haven't watched a movie in a while, at least a good one. So, anyways, I think that's our episode. <laughs> all right. What are we gonna get into the next episode? Thought we were gonna chat a little bit about cover design process which is seems yes. light years away from where i am but it's what you've just finished up yeah i just just finished up i got uh tweaks back uh recently and i gotta make more decisions about it and see if it all fits and makes things work and look good so uh yeah i think that's what we're gonna do for for next episode shall be fun and uh i think that's our episode so thanks for listening if you enjoyed it send it on to a friend you can send us feedback on twitter writer underscore syndrome we're on Instagram now at Writer Syndrome Books. And for all everything, all the episodes, go to writersyndrome.com. And I think that's it, right? That's it, man. Keep writing.